Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to the next of a number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our gardens. Every week we're looking at a different bird and this week we'll be looking at the amazing sparrowhawk. We've got an injured bird, what should we do? This was a telephone call I received from my uncle a couple of weeks ago. Oh no, I'll be over right away. Do you know what type of bird it is? I asked. Having a clue, but it's scary looking. As you can imagine, this statement was quite intriguing, and as I walked out into his garden a few minutes later, I found myself becoming a bit nervous. What kind of bird would instill this level of fear in my otherwise very rational uncle? As I moved a little further into my uncle's garden, I finally could see the bird. Wings pressed against the glass panes of the greenhouse, beak open in sheer terror. It was a young male sparrowhawk, which had flown straight through the open greenhouse door and hit one of the glass panels. I made calming sounds as I approached, as if I was trying to reassure a frightened child. My hand safely around its shivering body, I lifted it to safety. I checked the animal over and could find no injuries. It had simply not been able to find its way out of the greenhouse. My uncle, younger cousins and I spent a few seconds looking into the custard yellow eyes as it stared unblinking back. When I did let it go, I was relieved to see it shoot off like a rocket, dipping over the hedge, out of sight. And like any unexpected meeting with a wild creature, it left us enthralled long after its departure. A few days later I had a second close encounter. You know you helped Uncle Tony out with that sparrowhawk? said my sister over the telephone, while I've hit an owl with a car. This time the poor animal didn't make it. When I turned up at my sister's a few minutes later, a dead tawny owl was lying in a box my sister had put it in, succumbed to its injuries. I gently picked up the bird, and my young nephews gathered round to have a look, fascinated by this unexpected sight. Like all owls, the tawny has incredible soft plumage enabling it to hunt in virtual silence. Over the next few days I mentioned these two events to some of my friends and was fascinated by their response. The owl's fate aroused great sadness, whereas they seemed indifferent, even hostile, towards the sparrowhawk. Yet both birds hunt for a living. Indeed, the only real difference are that the sparrowhawk kills birds or the tawny owl preys on rodents, and that the sparrowhawk does its killing in public on our back lawns, while the owl kills stealthily under the cover of darkness. We may also feel sympathetic towards the tawny owl, because of their facial expressions, rather quizzical compared to the rather cruel gaze of the sparrowhawk, yet this merely reflects their own prejudices. The sparrowhawk is no more or less cruel than the owl, both are predators who kill other creatures in order to live, just as small birds kill insects. You may think that by now we would have learned not to judge these wild creatures with our own highly inappropriate moral standards, yet a deep hatred for raptors continues to thrive. Personally I was glad that the sparrowhawk survived and was sad that the owl died, which makes me just as guilty of imposing human emotions on these birds as anyone else. Perhaps so, but like many people, I can't help caring for the fate of wild creatures, especially when, like these two birds, they are my neighbours.
It's usually an alarm call and a bluster of feathers that alerts garden watchers to the presence of a sparrowhawk. Often an observer is rewarded with a glancing view of a fast-moving brown shape hugging the contours of the garden, rapidly passing the bird table, only to disappear over the roof or hedge in a gravity-defying display of ease. Usually the lasting memory of its staring yellow eye or the absolute silence as this magnificent aerial predator passes by. It's often noted though that after a few moments everything returns to normal and anyone missed the moment may be none the wiser. The sparrowhawk is the top avian predator that visits the garden. They're a sign of good garden health, indicating there is enough food available for them to survive. They are not indiscriminate killers that many headlines try to tell us, but natural predators that have evolved over thousands of years. Their predatory habits ensure that only the fittest garden birds survive. They do not hoard their food, but only feed on what they need, often their meals being days apart. During crisp sunny mornings in February and March, another side of sparrowhawks can be observed for it's during this period when territorial displays are at their peak. Orbiting above the garden, both the male and larger female will complete a heart-stopping roller coaster flight, fluffing up their downy tail feathers, often calling in high-pitched squeaks that secures their pair bond. So if you are an avid fan of feeding garden birds, you have to accept the sparrowhawks will also benefit from your endeavours. But rather than a bad sign, this fabulous bird is a sure indicator that you're doing the right thing. So well done, and keep putting out the food. The sparrowhawk has broad rounded wings, a longish banded tail for movability, and long yellow legs. One of the most striking aspects of sparrowhawks is the difference in size that exists between males and females. Female sparrowhawks are much larger than males, a trait known as reverse sexual size dimorphism, in many animals, the male is the larger sex, but in most birds of prey, it's the female that is the larger of the two. The degree of size difference in male and female birds of prey is determined by the speed and agility of the prey taken. So birds that eat carrion, like vultures, show little or no difference, while a bird like a peregrine falcon, which hunts very agile prey, shows a greater degree of variation. Sparrowhawks take this to the extreme. While a male will typically weigh between 110 and 196 grams, his mate is likely to weigh between 185 and 342 grams, which means that she can easily be double his weight. There are other differences between males and females. An adult male has a slate grey back and a white and rufous underparts that varies between individuals. Some individuals are evenly barred, while others are almost completely rufous. Adult females have a brownish grey back and off-white underparts, with barring that is less rufous in tone than the male. A white line above the eye is more prominent in the females than in the males, and a whitish patch is often seen at the back of the crown. Young birds have a dark brown back and the barring on the dirty white underparts is coarser and sometimes appear more like spots. The eye colour of sparrowhawks changes with age. Very young birds have a brownish black iris which becomes pale lemon yellow within a couple of months. 
As the bird gets older, the iris changes from yellow to orange, and in some adult males, it can be a beautiful wine-red colour. The sparrowhawk is the bird of prey you're most likely to see in your garden. They are sometimes confused with kestrels, which are sometimes seen flying over gardens, but are most likely to be seen in open countryside or near main roads and motorways. The two other potential confusion species, the goshawk and the merlin, which are virtually never encountered visiting gardens, and can usually be discounted on this basis alone. The sparrowhawk doesn't have a song, but its call note is most often heard as a series of rapid notes in one tone, key 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 key, and sometimes a single key. With regards to nesting, pairs tend to form fairly early in the year often several months before they actually get round to producing any eggs. If you are fortunate and walking close to a wooded area, then you may witness the pair indulging in a circling display flight, which is performed high above the woodland canopy within which they are nesting. The nest itself is often constructed using the foundation of a nest built by another species, usually a wood pigeon, to which is added various sticks. The nest is placed close to the trunk of a mature tree, with conifers preferred over deciduous trees, usually close to the edge of a clearing to allow easy access for the bird. Nest building is a protracted affair, tending to take place during the morning and often taking a month to complete. Just prior to laying, the nest is lined with bark chips and fine twigs. Even though sparrowhawks are almost always monogamous during the breeding season, most pairs tend to break up at the end of the year and individuals usually pair with a new mate for the following season. Interestingly, given this change in partnership, it's worth noting that pairs tend to establish a new nest very close to the one used the previous year, typically within 100 metres of the previous nest. This means that the bird can be found using traditional sites over time within the favoured block of woodland. Newly hatched young are brooded by the female for the first two weeks of their lives, with the male delivering prey to the nest. Thereafter, the female will brood the young only if the weather deteriorates, sheltering them from the rain. The sparrowhawk's diet is predominantly small birds. The size difference between sexes means that the female often preys on larger birds, like thrushes and starlings, and occasionally pigeons, while the male preys on smaller birds, like tits, finches and sparrows. Small mammals and carrion are sometimes taken, but it's very rare. The sparrowhawk's hunting technique relies on stealth. He usually watches from a perch among cover for prey, then flies fast and low, using any available cover so they can then seize the intended prey with complete surprise. Sadly, because of this, many people see sparrowhawks as garden terrorists and become very animated by the presence of one in their garden. This says more about our cultural responses to this particular form of bird-on-bird -bird predation. After all, do those people who vilify the sparrowhawk view barn owl in the same manner? 
And how do they feel about blackbirds feeding on worms, or song thrushes smashing open snail shells? All are, in fact, predators. It is just the predator and the prey that differ. It seems to be a human tendency to cast the sparrowhawk into the role of villain, and this is a reflection of the different values human place on particular groups of organisms, with small birds coming higher up the scale than small mammals, which in turn score higher than invertebrates. You could argue that we should welcome the sparrowhawk into our garden as a sign of a healthy environment. The number of sparrowhawks are controlled by the numbers of the prey, not vice versa, and they are definitely not responsible for the sad decline of some of their garden birds over the last 25 years. Actually, they may be beneficial. For decades now, bird ringers have weighed and measured a number of different species at various locations. One of the most recorded birds is the great tit, a real favourite of the sparrowhawk. And from these records, we can compare the health of great tits when the sparrowhawks are around to when they are not. Remarkably, in areas where sparrowhawks were present, great tit numbers were higher and those birds were healthier, sleeker and faster. It seems that sparrowhawks actually improved the breeding population of garden birds by targeting the weak and ill, thereby stopping the spread of disease. If you are ever lucky enough to see a sparrowhawk hunting, you'll notice that most prey animals are taken by complete surprise. Sometimes if the sparrowhawk misses, lengthy chases can ensue, even among trees and undergrowth. The most spectacular is when they chase the prey through a holly bush without so much as a ruffled feather, a holly bush that you couldn't place your arm in without being scratched or prickled. However, sparrowhawk attacks near bird feeders are often unsuccessful since there are usually large numbers of birds around bird feeders and there is safety in numbers. The concentration of birds around a feeder may attract the sparrowhawk, but for it to be successful it has to get amongst the birds and seldom can it get near enough without being seen. You can reduce a sparrowhawk's chances of success still further by ensuring your bird feeders are hung close to substantial cover such as trees and bushes. If you're unable to do this, you can provide your garden birds with a caged feeder, like the Pets Corner Great and Small Squirrel Proof Premium Seed Feeder. The mesh will protect the birds inside because the hawk cannot enter. You could also poke a few bamboo canes, five to six feet long, into the ground near the feeder to hinder the hawk when it swoops in and enable the tits and finches to get away. The sparrowhawk can be found from Morocco, north to the boreal forest of Norway, and east to Japan. Northern populations are migratory, while more southerly populations, including those found in Britain, are sedentary in nature. Evidence from bird ringing shows that some birds from Norway and Denmark pass through eastern England and northeast Scotland during both autumn and spring migrations, some even overwinter here. Despite being heavily persecuted throughout the 19th century, the sparrowhawk's resilience and elusive nature allowed it to remain widely distributed, though its numbers in the southeast and east Anglia were very, very low. It was in these areas that the population increased in the first half of the 20th century. However, 
Its numbers crashed in the 1950s and 60s as it was seriously affected by organochlorine pesticides introduced widely to cereal farms. One of the most well known of these was DDT. During this time sparrowhawk numbers were significantly reduced everywhere and it was virtually extinct in eastern and southern England. Once these chemicals were withdrawn the species responded quickly. Numbers have been stable since the early 1990s, suggesting that most areas have now reached capacity. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after sparrowhawks and other garden birds by providing wildlife friendly garden. That includes having water and the very very best food available for them, foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul wild bird foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of our wonderful Pets Corner stores and the nearest store to you can be found at the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk Well that's it from me, hope you've enjoyed this look at Sparrowhawks. For further birds please continue to check out the stream and look forward to speaking to you soon.